Taking you on a poppy, catchy journey <laughs> through the film career of Charlize Theron, one movie at a time. I am Robin Hitchcock, and with me, as always, are Bob Shields, hello, and Regina Connolly, hello. And this week's movie is That Thing You Do. <laughs> and now that song stuck in your head. Yeah, I was gonna say, are we all gonna have the same one sound review? That it's just gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my one sound review is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too good! I can't follow it. Yeah, yeah you can. That's it. Uh, my one sound review is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is a pretty good movie. <laughs> I, I thought this movie was thoroughly excellent, and yeah. I'd never heard of it before. Really? Never ever heard of it, no. Oh, so you'd never heard the song before? Never heard it. Tell me about how wonderful it is to hear that song for the first time. Uh, it's really good. Yeah. Like, and also, uh, written by Tom Hanks? No, it was written by Adam Schlesinger, who is the bass player for Fountains of Wayne. Oh, Aww. I don't know who they are. Either. Oh, okay, they did uh, Radiation. Oh, they did Stacy's Mom. I think I know that Okay, one. yeah. Okay. Um, but he, but Hanks, also Radiation Vibe. Tom Hanks did write the movie, though. Yes. He did. And he did write some of some the Some of the songs. Yeah. yeah. So, and apparently- most importantly, I think we need to discuss the fact that he did the voice of the chimps making fun of the Beatles. Wait, what? Yep. The, you know, oh, that might be on the extended version. Okay. okay. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> Bob Shields and I accidentally watched the extended version, and we didn't know until the very end. And before the band is going on to their TV segment, they're having rehearsal, and there's a bunch of talking chimpanzees that are dressed up to look like the Beatles, mm-hmm. and they're called... I can't remember. The Chimp... The Chimples? The, I don't know. Whatever. I cannot remember. But they're talking... Like, they're basically, like, have a bad Liverpudlian accent and are, like, saying goofy things about the Beatles. And I was like, I think that's Tom Hanks doing that. And the credits proved me correct. I need to watch this extended version. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, it's funny that they mentioned that they read the extended version and that's going to color this whole podcast. It reminds me of when I was in high school. And <laughs> for summer reading, we were assigned to read The Count of Monte Cristo. Which Great book. became my favorite novel novel and then i went to school and everybody else had read an abridged version <laughs> and so i was like how about that part where everyone thinks he's a vampire and they were like what <laughs> losers so expect a lot of what from me tonight but here's a brief plot summary of the actual theatrical release So basically this is a movie about uh the meteoric rise and just fizzle out, fizzle out yes. of a pop band in nineteen in the nineteen sixties. They start out in Erie, Pennsylvania, not too far away from our stomping grounds. Mm-hmm. And the band is Jimmy is the lead singer and I guess the songwriter. Mm-hmm. And he has bangs and a horrible personality. <laughs> Played by Jonathan Sheck. 
And it took me a long time to find out how to pronounce that name. But I, that's- think, I think I should speak here uh, from my wheelhouse. He has excellent teeth, however. Bad personality, but, like, the dude has some bone structure and some chompers. Please continue. Well, we'll get to other characters' mouths in a moment. <laughs> and then there... Steve Zahn is in this movie. Oh, my God. Steve Zahn. Envelope mouth. I also don't know if his name is Zahn or Zan. This whole knowing how to pronounce celebrities' names is part of podcasting I did not anticipate. <laughs> Let's just call him Steve Z. Yeah. So uh, Steve Z is their guitarist. His character's name is Lenny. And then they have a bass player whose name is TB Player. Because they never named that character. He's yeah. the bass player. He must, he must be named in the end credits. He's named TB Player. Oh, no, but uh, there's, in our one, there was, like, photographs came up. like, this person, he's called TB Player in yes, that? Yes, yes. Oh, shit. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, and he's played by Ethan Embry. And then their drummer, Chad, played by Giovanni Ribisi. What who, happened to him? He's still in things, he's isn't right, he? yeah. Is he? I haven't seen him in a long time. I feel like I remember in high school being like, Giovanni Ribisi, he's going to be a big thing. And then it was like, mm, no. He's, he's, got an, he's got an Amazon TV show, and he was in Avatar. That's the last thing I saw him in. So, but Chad jumps. He's trying to leapfrog a parking meter, and he breaks his arm. I thought that he broke his penis at first. <laughs> and when he was like, oh, my arm hurts, I thought he was trying to not say to Liv Tyler, I just whacked him a penis. <laughs> So he can't play drums the night of the talent <laughs> show. So- <laughs> Fortunately, local appliance store clerk, rubber-faced Muggy McGinty, Tom Everett Scott, is there to play the drums. And fortunately, he makes a maverick call to play Bangs's signature song, That Thing You Do, with an up tempo beat. They win the battle of the bands, they get a standing gig in an Italian restaurant, and then they record their record in a church, which made me think about how we're about to change our recording venue, because mm-hmm. the Connolly Shieldses are moving, and I'm, I'm a little worried about the acoustics in the new place. We'll find out. But It can't be worse than here. <laughs> that's probably true, but it made me think a lot about, like, is recording an album in a church... Like, would that actually be good? Churches have good acoustics? I mean, they're good for organ playing, but I think they're very echoey, so... That's what I was thinking, too. It seems like the opposite of what you would find in a recording studio. Yeah. I think if you're doing a one-take recording, they would probably be good. Yeah, which is what they do. Yeah. Anyway, just just an aside... There's a wonderful scene where they hear their song on the radio for the first time. Which is a phenomenal scene. Yeah. Like, it's so joyous. Yeah. It's one of the best things I've seen on in, on screen, maybe ever. Yeah, like, it's just it's one incredible. of, like, it's impossible not to smile during that scene. Yeah. They, uh, Tom Hanks signs them up, okay? Well, firstly, a different guy signs them up. Right. In a camper van. Yes. <laughs> Oddly. Uh, and that guy is like a Michael Bay staple actor. Oh, so when really? He showed up. I was like, oh, I've never seen him outside of like Armageddon. Uh, and then, yeah, he was like their interim manager. Yes, and like a stepping stone onto Tom Hanks's big record label, Playtone Records. They become a star in the Playtone Galaxy. Yes, and this galaxy goes to county fairs. It sure does. <laughs> but you know, they they become more and more popular at the county fairs, and they eventually get a TV appearance. Oh, meanwhile, 
they have a, a unofficial fifth member of the band is Liv Tyler, who is playing Faye, and she is, according to Tom Hanks, their costume designer. Yeah. But really, she is Bangs' girlfriend and their mascot. She and Bangs are in a relationship, and he is horrible to her, mostly because he is a horrible person, and so it would be very difficult for him to be anything but horrible to her, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's horrible to everyone. Yeah, he's kind of self-righteous and pretentious. Do you? Uh, oh, do Regina's you making he... a face where she maybe doesn't hate Bangs. No, no, no let's, let's get okay. the plot summary done. <laughs> All right, and they put under, like, the Chiron under him says, careful, girls, he's engaged. And he's like, I'm not engaged. Why would I be engaged to her? That'd be the worst thing I could do with my life. And so she says, Jimmy, <laughs> I've wasted thousands and thousands of kisses on you. <laughs> kisses on you. Yeah. I, I wish I could do a better Liv Tyler voice. Her voice <laughs> is, is so precious. And uh, she, so she leaves him. Good for her. And Jimmy gets mad that he can't. They're finally in a recording studio because all this time they've been using their church recording. And Jimmy gets mad he can't record his own songs. And so he quits. And Lenny has gone to Vegas to get married. And Ethan Embry who always had one foot out the door because he was joining the Marines, mm-hmm. goes to Disneyland. With Marines. <laughs> and never leaves. I had a question about that that I might be the only one. I was like, I'm pretty sure that they can't be on vacation in their uniform. Like, I don't think you can be like, I'm riding rides in my service uniform. I feel like there is a thing about that. I'm just thinking about Fleet Week, which definitely but I think pop culture are- involves sailors running around in sailor costumes. That is true. But I think... We can, I don't this does not costumes. This uniform. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't need to be a thing necessarily in the show. But I'm like, I think that those are different. I think there's like leave uniforms yeah. and like service. Anyway, one I, of our listeners probably can answer this for us, Lexi. Ask oh yeah, Cap. Uh, yeah. Or we could Google before we stop. No, that sounds like too much work. <laughs> so yeah, so the band falls apart, and. Tom Everett Scott, who's the main character? His what's his character's name? Oh, Guy. Yeah, yeah. Skitch is his nickname. Skitch. Yes, Steve Z is the only person who says it, but throughout the movie, he's like, "Come on, Skitch!" Blah 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 blah. Because like his fan name is Shades. Right. Uh, I, you guys can double check, but if you, I believe you. Yeah, he definitely calls him that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's like on the credits, it's like Guy Skitch Patterson. Yeah, so left, he he gets to meet his idol at some point, and so they get to jam in the studio, and he's like, you know what, there's bigger things in life than this band, like Liv Tyler's heart! (laughs) And he goes and he gets her, and he kisses her, and it is very awkward looking, Mm -hmm. but apparently, according to the film's narrative, it's a good kiss. Mm -hmm. And then we have the thing we talked about last week that we love, the little title cards of what happened to everyone, even though these are made up. I loved it extra (laughs) because they were made up. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Liv and Guy Skitch Patterson, they get married and have babies and move to the Pacific Northwest. Jimmy gets another band together and gets gold records, which was a twist. I like that. Me too. Because I felt like... He did write the song that was a big hit, so right. I felt like 
it made sense and he was very driven yes. to do that and he like cared about it so I think it would make sense that he was like he was the only one in the band who was like I'm here to be a musician mm-hmm. I also like that they worked in like his punny names for the band oh I, how could I leave out that the name of the band is The Wonders but he only wants pun names for his bands yeah. and so he's like we'll make it the I, is it Liv Tyler's fault that they make it the Wonders O N E? She's the one who comes so, yeah. up with that band. Okay, he had previously come up with the Herdsmen with it being H E A R D. Yeah, there are other bad ones in there too, and that's the band that he wins the gold records with. Right, the Herdsmen. So anyway, the Wonders O N E. Everybody calls them the Oneeders. And it really looks like the Oneeders. Yes. Why not use the numeral? That wouldn't help. Why not? It would just look dumb. Also, Kesha hadn't been invented yet. Okay. People weren't ready. Yeah, that wasn't, in the 60s, that wasn't a thing. What about Question Mark and the Mysterians? I don't know what that is. It's a band from the 60s, and the first part of it is a literal question mark. <laughs> I don't know. Well, then they would have lost all the jokes in the movie about saying O-Neaters. Yes, no, funny. those jokes are great. And yes. those jokes allowed you to see Jimmy be like, mm, my butthole's clenched because you're getting it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that was like his acting a motivation throughout the whole thing. So the other thing I thought about the name The Wonders, obviously it's a play on how they are one-hit wonders, but at the end, Tom Hanks' character says, like, the one-hit wonders, a common tale. And I just imagined some, like, you know, dad in Wisconsin going, oh! (laughs) (laughs) And that made me happy. Yeah, so Charlize Theron's also in it. Oh yeah, we didn't mention her at all because she's largely... A forgettable role in this movie. Yeah, she is playing the very thankless role of being Guy's girlfriend back in Erie, who isn't a slave to his pursuit of his art in the way that Faye is. Yeah. She's a normal person with her own interests and own life. And I think we're meant to hate her for it. And also, like, we see her put lipstick on. Oh, she must be horribly shallow. Also, I mean, come on. She's blonde. And Faye is a brunette who doesn't put her hair up. So yeah. obviously she's the one that the artist uh, will fall in love with. Honestly, I just, like, I found the depiction of Charlize's character, like, really disappointingly sexist. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I don't think I would have noticed. I definitely didn't notice when I saw this movie and I was 12. I probably was like... She's the worst! Yeah. But I don't even know if I would have noticed it now as a grown-ass feminist woman, but I was fixated on Charlize because of this podcast, and I was like, wow, this is a really meanly written character. I feel like generally a lot of the women characters, like, well, first of all, there's only the two of them, and the mom and the sister who are also sort of, I mean, not to say that the dad isn't caricatured, but I also sort of felt like the the shots of the girl fans going crazy mm-hmm. was of the dismissive variety. I like, agree. oh, these crazy fans, as opposed to like, hey, the Beatles never would have been the Beatles without those fans kind of thing. I don't, I don't know. I, I And yeah, the, I felt like Charlize's character was of the... She likes girl stuff, so she's dumb. Right. And all she wants is a rich guy. But Liv Tyler spends all of her time around dudes, so she's a girl who can hang. Yeah. So she's the one that you're going to root for. That's exactly how I felt, and it made me mad. (laughs) She's okay getting her bumper dinged. Yeah, she doesn't mind. She's cool. She'll go get you breakfast. Bumper thing also... Not really in the... There was definitely a bumper getting dinged, but we didn't find out that it was Liv Tyler's. I can't oh, wait to see the wait. extended version oh, of this that movie. Was, oh my God, that was like the beginning. So he walks... So Skitch walks in and he's like, hey, I dinged your bumper. And this is like him being introduced. They're like, hey, backstory. He was stationed in Germany, but now he's back and works at his dad's appliance store. That guy who used to be a drummer with Steve Z. 
And in the real movie, the whole he was stationed in Germany thing doesn't come up until he meets his idol, and it's like, wait a second, what? Oh, <laughs> well, that was stitched in, in the extended version, and also, so he's like acting all, I'm older than all you crazy band kids, and he's like, I'm sorry, I dinged your bumper, I'll, I'll get your breakfast. I'll get everybody's breakfast. Oh, she does thank him for breakfast. Maybe that did happen, and I was like, getting a Diet Coke. <laughs> Could happen. This is the thing about extended versions it's of things. It's hard to know. It's yeah. weird. I wish, I like it better in extended versions of like animated features where you're like, oh yeah, that's definitely not fully animated. This right. is not in the release. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, so I was thinking yesterday when I was walking around, man, like Tom Hanks, if he ever does anything wrong, like if we find out 20 years from now that Tom Hanks was raping a lot of women, it will completely shatter my understanding of reality. Like he is to me like unimpeachably good and decent. Yes. And then I watched this movie that he wrote that has a really sexist characterization in it. And I know it's not the same as being a serial rapist, but I felt really disappointed and sad. I gave it a pass in some ways thinking that it was because it's a 20 year old movie and yeah. it felt old fashioned also like in its subject matter yeah. because it was like about the 60s. Like my thing with this movie is I was like, unfortunately I have to say it now. I thought it was fine, but I didn't really love it. And I think I might be the only one on the planet that feels this way. And maybe it's because we watched the extended version and I was like, when is it getting to the end? It was long. It, it was over two and a half hours and I was kind of like, I Wait, get it. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I don't want to watch the extended version. How long is the normal version? I think like two normal hour ten. length. Like an hour forty? No, I think it's two ten. It didn't feel that long. Well, so then it's it's a good pace for a two hour ten minute movie because remember yeah. how we, Men of Honor felt like it's seven hundred years oh, of our God. lives was so long. <laughs> I just think so. Like I feel like I remember my mom liking this movie a lot, and when I was watching it, I had this weird dichotomy of be feeling too old for it and too young for it because I was like, oh, I think if I'd watched this movie when I was in high school, I would have really been into it, or I can see why my mom really liked it because it was about an era that she lived through. Mm. But when I was watching it, I was just kind of like, this. Just, it just wasn't really. I don't know, it just, it just didn't really touch any of that, and I feel like the, the sexism in it, and the, I don't know, also, like, I know we talk about this a lot, but, like, the, I felt like the casual racism in it as well, in some ways. Okay, like, I have lots of notes about, what was the character's name? Lamar? Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's, the, so the two black characters in the movie, there's Guy's idol, who's a jazz musician, mm-hmm. named Del, Del Paxton. Paxton. Yeah. And then they're they're all staying at this hotel in L.A. as they are groomed by Tom Hanks to stardom. And the valet there is this, like, Bagger Vance-type character mm-hmm. yeah. who appears to only exist to, like, cheer them on. And he literally looks in the camera at in the, the last shot. Yeah. <laughs> like, they done good. It was... <laughs> uncomfortable it was it was weird yeah although one thing i did want to point out is that when they go on tv and they show all the girls fawning over themselves they do a few cutaway shots to black men making like intense furrow faces yeah (laughs) which i very much enjoyed and i was like that's that would be a good reaction gift i think that they were all black men i'm not sure uh i also am curious if, if this was an extended version scene or not but that the bass player hooks up with uh, one of the chantrelines. That is implied. Oh, you yes. actually see it's not implied. It's not implied. <laughs> and Interesting. I was yeah, and I thought that was also like sort of I don't know. I felt like a, a modern nod to being like, hey. Another thing that I'm curious about if this is only in the extended version is when he when Skitch comes back and is like super drunk and Tom Hanks's 
husband partner nope okay so there's what okay so there is a scene where he comes back and he's super drunk and there's this like hot dude in a tux and tom hanks is like oh whenever you have to wait for me you get so cranky and like tom hanks is dealing with skitch for a bit and then the two of them get in the car and skitch like tries to get in with them and the guy who's driving whose name i can't remember is like he could come with us and he's like no and then they leave him there and then the two of them drive off in like a red convertible and like nothing is overt but it felt or like nothing specific is said but i was like oh like they're saying that like this is his gay partner why why would they take that out that that's a lot of interest yeah uh-huh. I'm sad. Tom Hanks, change your life. (laughs) (laughs) Give Charlize more to work with and keep in your gay lover, is what we're saying for that thing you do. So I I do, I I need to beat this dead horse a little bit more about the whole Charlize thing. Like, I think that because as someone (laughs) who performs, Mm -hmm. like I used to make fun of my husband, I would call him a wag Mm -hmm. at my shows. And I did that lovingly and teasingly. The idea that we would judge people for being imperfectly supportive of their artistic partners really bothers me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, because, like, poor Faye, like, she gets treated like dirt in this movie. Mm-hmm. And we're meant to think that because she endures it, she's a hero. And because Charlize stays in Erie and marries a fucking hot dentist that she's a loser and i'm like you're gonna be a lot happier with that hot dentist yeah i mean i so i feel like maybe i'm being charitable towards the movie that it wasn't just that she was not a perfect supplicant to his art and just that i think even before he becomes a musician that it's just like they just don't have that much in common yes and i think that's what they're trying to say or that they don't have a lot of fun together like the very first time we see her she's annoyed at him that like he forgot about an event that they were supposed to go to together so i think there's also not in the real movie oh jesus (laughs) okay so the way that they have it in our movie is that she's driving and he's leaving after like playing the drums at the store and she's like you forgot about me didn't you and he's like no i was on my way and she's like i'm tired i'm going home and he's like you should just uh, come to my house and we can talk about it and or she says that and he's like but you know if you come to my house we're probably just gonna i'm just gonna make out with you and she's like okay and then she turns her car around and then goes to his house and they make out so i think from the very beginning it's like they're showing her as being like not important to him in the real movie the first time you see her is at the talent show and she's really? like Whoa. so you don't see them make out no oh so they make out do you hear him say spartacus all the time yeah okay so they make out and she's like say it again and he's like what? And she's like, say it again. And he says to her during necking, I am Spartacus. So it's like a weird, like, I don't know, sex thing for them. And then he says it a lot throughout the rest of the movie. Also, that's so weird. Like, this movie said in 1964, Spartacus is what, 61? Something like that, yeah. So what's a catchphrase from a three-year-old movie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking I'm back! <laughs> <laughs> that is perfectly three years old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make Colin say that during no. <laughs> All right, never mind. I take it back. That's a perfectly reasonable thing for people to do. Uh, yeah. So yeah, the first time you see her is her being like, "How long is this gonna take?" Oh, okay. No, the first time you have met her before that, and she was already a put upon person. Okay, because he seems like a forgetful, self centered boyfriend ish. Yeah, but like lovable because he's goofy. Okay. God, it feels like we're talking about different movies. And this is the thing where it's like only 20 minutes of footage can completely change like an entire character. Right. Oh, I I have a question. Have you guys seen the movie La La Land? No. No. 
Well, he's in that. I know. And I remember when I saw La La Land and looked up, I was like, oh my gosh, it's the guy from that thing you do. And then I spent the next three or four minutes of La La Land trying to remember his name. And I was really excited when I remembered that it's Tom Everett Scott. I was like, (laughs) he has three first names. I know this much. And this is why you're good at, why do I know him? Yes. But when you see La La Land, think about this character and then his appearance in La La Land will feel more meaningful and wonderful. So for the people listening to this who have listened to La La Land, it's definitely a cool casting move, and I hope it was on purpose. (laughs) Is it just me, or did it also feel like they made this movie thinking that the members of the band would become big actors as a result of this? Like, I think that's Tom Everett Scott's second credit. And it's like, he's going to be a big thing. And, like, it seems like he's continued to work. Like, he's a working actor. But he did not become... Tom Hanks. And I feel like Tom Hanks cast him because he's like, yeah. you look like a, he's a more cut gen- version yeah. of myself when I was younger. He's I a think second it- generation clone of Tom Hanks. Yeah. yeah. I think that they said in one of the trivia listings I was looking at today that Tom Hanks originally was like, I don't know if I could cast this guy. His name is Tom. He looks like me. This is weird. It is. <laughs> and also, his wife talked him into it. His wife, who was in the movie, and Rita uh, Wilson, and his son was in the movie as the usher who brought Liv Tyler to her seat. And I was like, look at the Hanks and Wilson family. <laughs> and apparently his daughter is also in the movie oh too. is she yeah whole hanks family look at that yeah so charlize is acting in this i know we've like disparaged the writing for it how did you guys feel about her as you know her charlize-iness i thought it was good like i thought honestly i thought she was better than she was this is the same year as two days in the valley right is it really yeah wow only one year after children of the corn three and she i thought she was great her eyebrows also looked surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. Her, I thought her makeup game and her hair game. She looks like a Barbie doll. She does. Yes. Yeah, she really does. Uh, she's got some great outfits. Also, I think like those are there's some wig action going on. I don't know that. I think it's a wig. I feel like all those hairstyles look like wigs anyway. Yeah. I'm curious also if there were extra hot dentist scenes. Like the last time we see Charlize in our weird version is the dentist, like she's putting wallpaper up in the dentist office and then she gets in the dentist chair and he lowers the blind. That does not happen in the real movie. You know what's not seducy? The dentist uh, making out with you on the dentist chair. Like that's just the scene of nightmares. (laughs) But that dentist is very hot. Did you see them play golf together? No. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, there's a whole like parallel fling uh, that you see of her uh, going out with the dentist. Like she goes to the dentist a lot for like her teeth work. And then all of a sudden you see a scene of them like golfing and she's terrible at golf, but she looks good in those pants. And the dentist is like helping her with her golf game. Okay. In the real movie, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the last time you see her is right before they play their gig in Pittsburgh. Really? No, Whoa. she keeps popping up. When and she's like, got the hair dryer on, I think that's it. Oh my god, no, he like writes her a letter and mails her photographs and she's like, eh, photos. And then they like talk on the phone like once or twice. Yeah. She's just gone and then at one point someone asks, oh, does Guy have a girlfriend? And Liv Tyler's like, oh yeah, she left him for a dentist. No, no, that's no, not in our version. Not, yep. Okay. That, that conversation happens, but she's like, well, you know, it's, things are a little difficult, whatever. Okay. It's not she left him for a dentist. It's uh, Yeah, in our version, they never officially break up. They yeah. just start necking with different people. Yep. But you never see her neck with the dentist. You just see her wallpapering. And then he, like, carries her into the chair. And then as he's lowering the thing, she's, like, leaning in. And then the blind closes. And then that's it. Yeah, so I guess we got more Charlize in our version. You definitely yeah. got more Charlize. 
I'm yeah. very surprised. <laughs> I liked I liked the car scene with her when she was like, I'm mad. I mean, I will make out with you, though. Yes. <laughs> Here's a, a very important question. Yes. Do you think that thing you do would be improved if it included a prison riot? Here's the thing. Yes is the answer. And here's how you incite a prison riot. People want to dance to that song. And then, so they're they're playing the song in the jail yep. or in the prison. On someone's got a radio. Yep. Yep. And people are dancing and then the guards are like, no dancing. It's after lights out or whatever. <laughs> That town that doesn't yep. like dancing. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I don't know, people break down the, the cages and bust yeah. out of their cells so that they can boogie. It's would like it Jailhouse a, Rock, right? Would That's what happens in prison? that movie. Something yeah. like that, yeah. yeah. I mean, they already kind of have an Italian restaurant riot in this one. That's true. So, yeah, it's, it's not really that many degrees away from a prison riot. I was surprised how many french fries there were at a Italian restaurant. I was like, isn't everyone eating noodles here? It's America. There's french fries everywhere. That's true. <laughs> God bless America. That's just the way life is here. Yeah. I really like the part where Bangs yells, I should have dumped you in Pittsburgh, because (laughs) I'm going to say that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Can we also talk about how um, it's like a major point of their, like, point of excitement and a career milestone is like, you guys are going to Pittsburgh! Yes! (laughs) So I work, and I'm often in the Benedum Center of Pittsburgh, and I was both, like, pleased that they found a venue that's similar in appearance to that, but I was also like, why didn't they just film this at the Benedum? Right. Uh, And they called it, like, the Orpheus Theater, or the Orpheum, and I don't know if that was ever a thing in Pittsburgh or not. I think it was. It sounds familiar. Okay. Well, every time I tried to look it up, it was just talking about the play, Orpheus. But I I thought that was fun. Uh, so the thing I didn't say before is, so I feel like the movie was, like, trying really hard to be like, Jimmy's a jerk. <laughs> and again, maybe it's because I watched the extended version, but I was like, is he? Or is he just like, hey, I want to take this seriously, and you guys are a bunch of goofballs, and no one's taking this seriously. I agree that he is not a good boyfriend for Liv Tyler, but I feel like he's like, we shouldn't sign a contract without uh, thinking about it. That's not a bad idea. And he's like, I'm a musician. I want to record and not just play a shrimp band in a movie. That's not necessarily arrogant or douchey. That's just sort of like, whereas I think the drummer was like, I'm just doing stuff that's fun. And also, in what universe is that drummer the more popular member of the band? Because nobody was like, you know who's great in the Beatles? Ringo. Okay, but it's not so much about how good he is, it's about his face parts. Yeah, but I don't think <laughs> his Ringo's face parts face parts are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think his face but also like drummers are notoriously like not the hot dude in the band, and I think if you want to successfully be like everyone's gravitating towards shades, you need to not put a hot dude as the front man of the band. Also, like Steve Zahn would have gotten some action as well. Having him walk around being like, Nobody likes me. I was like, I don't buy that movie. Steve Zahn is a lovable scamp. Everyone would love him. Guys, Ebert or Mebert. <laughs> Ebert and Ebert. In a curious twist, the drummer is the most dependable member of the band. Ebert. Sure. It's a Mebert! <laughs> yeah, what up? Okay, but yeah, they definitely are playing with a trope there. That the drummer is a normal, as opposed yeah. to the drummers are normally the... People who like to hit things. Yes. So, Regina, we've you talked about... The lead singer's mouth and his perfect teeth. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything to say about any of the mouths of the other members of the band? Like envelope mouth? Yes. (laughs) So I found envelope mouth to be way less pronounced as a baby than it is in Sahara, uh, another Steve's on vehicle. 
Um, Making this our second reference to Sahara in the last three episodes. Have you seen Sahara, listeners? <laughs> you should. Or you will get the plague. Um, <laughs> so I saw that movie with Robin Lee Hitchcock, and I was like, I like this Steve Zahn actor. His mouth looks like an envelope, to which Robin said, What? I said, you know what, Regina? I like the way you talk about movies. In 10 years, 12 years, why don't we start recording ourselves and your future husband talking about movies? You're so wise. Um, so yeah, I don't know what else to say except for his mouth looks like an envelope that folds. <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious. I th- yeah, I think he was he was well used, but like yeah. he wasn't like overly goofy. They were all like convincingly well done and yeah, I I just everything was like very good. Like I as an, my only note for this movie is that it's very good. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that they at the I forget at what point they did it, but they're sort of like walking through each of the characters in the band as like a marketable thing and they're like he's the fool and he's the serious yeah. one and he's the this and I felt like that was sort of them tipping their hand as to, like, how they'd written the characters themselves, and mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. It was actually Tom Hanks that was saying that as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, so, of all of these people with their various shaped mouths, who should Keanu Reeves have played? Uh, I, I, honestly, I'm not sure who I would, I mean, if we were, if it was period-appropriate Keanu Reeves, I think probably Jimmy. Yeah. If it were today's Keanu Reeves, it would be Mr. White. Is that Tom Hanks? Yes. Okay. I would ca- I would recast him as Guy, because okay. I think this is basically, that he would have done a, a better job, because he's Keanu Reeves, and it would basically be Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. He'd be like, I'm a charming goofball the whole movie! And only in that universe would I believe that people would be like, yeah, the drummer, the dude with the sunglasses, the hot one, if it were Keanu Reeves instead. <laughs> I actually, I, I'm going to go with another random cameo. I think that he should play the Wolfman. <laughs> when Ethan Embry goes to Disneyland and never comes back, they replace him for their TV appearance with some random studio musician who they nicknamed the Wolfman. <laughs> and I just thought, like, modern Keanu with, like, all of his facial the hair, scruff, yeah. the, the scruffy Keanu as the Wolfman would be hilarious. What if he replaced Lamar, the, the valet? Oh. And he could be the catalyst for their romance. It would have been less uncomfortable. Oh, you know who Keanu should have played? Tom Hanks' partner. <laughs> yeah. I think he. I think young Keanu would be great as the lead in this movie. Like, wouldn't you just... We only get two movies where he gets to be... A goofball? Which... Is he Bill or Ted? <laughs> He's Ted. <laughs> where he gets to be Ted. <laughs> so wouldn't it be nice to have a third movie to add to that canon? Where he gets to be a musician who's just excited by life? Yeah, I feel like there's a there's a certain innocence in the eyes of Tom Everett Scott that Keanu never had, even as Ted. I'm okay with that. Okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think the lead, the guy, Tom Everett Scott, I think is great in this as well. Yeah. Uh I've never seen him in anything else. I know he's in An American Werewolf in London, which is a yes. large departure Wait, from this. He's in An American Werewolf in Paris. Paris not London. Sorry. Yes. He was probably like three years old when An American Werewolf <laughs> in London was made. Yeah. But yeah, that's a, a, a somewhat different tone to this it's movie. very bad. Oh, Don't watch that. I haven't seen it. Okay. But yeah, that was the only other movie that I recognized that he was in, apart from La La Land. Yeah. I thought he was just okay. I felt like he, like, mugged a ton. He does. I I felt very distracted, and again, maybe it's the extended cut, but I felt like there were a million shots of, like, here's a close-up of someone's face being like, or, like, just, like, reacting, like, very heavily, and that was one of the things where I was like, oh, like, this this movie just felt older to me than... It does, it feels like a timeless classic movie. No. 
it, it, it does it has that kind of old timey quality to yeah. it, um, which movies from nineteen ninety six don't generally have. Yes, um, for example. Two Days in the Valley, right. very oh, much a, pure, yeah. a product of its time. Yes, it feels yeah. dated. That is true. It feels like a far better... Right. Yes. Uh, so when Regina was saying like she's the only one who like doesn't love this movie, I wouldn't say I love it. I remember I saw it in the theater when it came out, and I remember being a little bored because it was like, okay, we, we know what's going to happen. Yeah, I think within the first like... 20 minutes like everything has been telegraphed right very hard right i don't think it is an amazing film but i think it's a really good one yeah i mean the i don't have a problem i I, it subverted my expectations enough Hmm. uh in a way that was satisfying enough for me to be like yeah but it was just so much fun yeah there's so much emotion and joy on the screen that i was like yeah this was like it was really really good the scene where they hear their song on the radio knocks it up a full letter grade right yeah (laughs) this is one of the few movies i think we've done so far where i have a definitive answer for the would this movie survive a cell phone yes and i think the answer is no because they could have texted their bassist and been like the fuck are you man and then they would have (laughs) found him i feel like this movie is one of those movies that like shows you as an example like what it meant to be like unreachable yeah and like what that would cause to other people in the world when you could not be found kind of thing in a way that's like you can't write a movie like we can't find the bassist anymore i mean i guess they could say like his phone was dead but it just seems like not a not a usable device in a modern film yeah yeah the other the other thing i find questionable about this movie is that the of all the bad things that happen and like however shitty people are like everything is basically consequence free like this is supposed to be like the most exciting and tumultuous thing that probably happens in these people's lives and like they sort of clash and fall out and are shitty to each other sort of towards the end uh, and make bad decisions, uh, and then at the end of it, you just they have the like the cards come up and be like, "Oh, he actually did launch a successful band and was fine. Like he didn't. No one ever got a comeuppance. Everybody's fine. Everybody's fine at the end." And you're like, "Well, you know. well, I thought that I thought they sort of did like two little comeuppancey things for I guess Steve Z. It was like yeah. he works in Vegas and he's single, so but his marriage didn't. Work oh, but out. it's not just that he works in Vegas; he manages a casino, so he's, okay, probably, he's probably doing fine. pretty well. well and TV also, player, they're like he's a construction worker in florida and again i'm like he's probably doing pretty well for himself but also like those characters didn't deserve comeuppances yeah they were good characters that were like wanted to have a good time and do good things and you know be nice to everyone uh and then the, the person who is supposed to be the asshole is the one who comes off at least second best right yeah but i again like i'm just like but it's okay to not want to marry somebody. I mean, sure, he should have broken up with her or, like, been more of an adult about it. Going back to what you said about how, like, it's reasonable to want to read a contract before you sign it. Yeah. I agree. But what he says is, I don't know how I feel about signing anything regarding my art. And I'm like, buddy, you're in a garage band. Like, yeah. That, yeah. It, that's sort of the attitude that he has that makes me hate him. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's definitely a sympathetic asshole, but he's the pretentious asshole. Yeah. But again, with like them just telegraphing stuff, I think it stopped affecting me that he was being an asshole because I felt like every time yeah. he was on screen, they were like, here's an opportunity to remind you that this guy is a, is a dweeb and an asshole. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, he wants to write slow ballads. What a dork. Yeah. Um, and maybe, again, if we had watched a shorter version of the movie, I'd be less like, yeah, he's fine. And I would have been more affected by his... Yeah. I mean, the counterpoint of that is also, like, you did sort of see how 
Tom Hanks strung him along is like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Don't worry yeah, about that. Right. Like, I want to record songs. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that after this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and he kept stringing him along, and then he could, people would lose patience and all that kind of stuff. I thought that was really well done and really well written. I, everyone had logic and motivation behind what their contentions were. Yeah, I think that without Steve Zahn's banter, this movie would have been much harder to watch. I feel yes. like his banter was so great. I feel he's, like yeah. he's, he's good in he's every good. single thing he's in. Yes. <sighs> what a treasure. And he also gave it, because also, like, it would have been kind of a dick move if, uh, what's his name, Guy had just started playing the song fast because he felt like it. Mm-hmm. But they had that scene in the, in the I was a garage, the garage, <laughs> uh, where Steve Dan is like, oh, yeah, totally slow it down, like, really sarcastically. Yes. Like, he wants that's, to play it fast. And that's, the other characters. That's not in the real movie. Oh, it's uh, not. And I definitely thought, wow, it's kind of a dick move doing this. <laughs> no, so in, no. in our version, he gets there, and the two of them used to be in a band together. So they they're do like, talk friends, about that. And he's about to, like, count off. Jimmy's like, no, it's too fast. And Steve's on and he, like, make eye contact and, like, this fucking guy. But they're, like, sincere, like, I don't know, like, friends. Like, the two of them seem to be the only people in the band who actually like each other. Right. Because Jimmy and Steve's on also appear to, like, butt heads constantly. Yeah, they constantly argue about things and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, they have that scene where he's, like, okay, that's too fast. No, no, a little slower, a little slower. Like, and he's, like, all right. And you can see he's playing at that speed and he's really bored playing it. Yeah. Okay. So I think the weirdest scene in this entire movie where yeah. I'm just like, I fundamentally don't understand what's happening here. I am like, I will bet a dollar right now this is not in the real movie. <laughs> okay, so they're in the garage practicing and Liv Tyler comes in with some sandwiches and Guy is like, yeah. oh, thanks for the, is this a bologna sandwich? Never make me a bologna sandwich again! Like, jokingly yelling at her about bringing him bologna and she's like, oh, of course, I would never do that again. Someone give yeah. me a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whoa, 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 what? Like, yeah, that, that was just that so yeah. bizarre. And like, I was like, wait, are we supposed to think that's flirting? I don't know, dude. It was very weird. I also looked up the the length of our versions. Mine is 108 minutes and yours is 148 minutes. So oh, that holy is crap. a lot of extra movie. Oh my god, yeah. I bet yeah. I would have liked the 108 so much more. I think so. <laughs> we can't watch it now because we're going to watch it and be like, wait, what, what happened to that part? I know. <laughs> so I, part of the reason we picked this movie is because we wanted a fun one. Oh, we also wanted to watch something short. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep, because Bob Shields and I are moving, so we have a lot going on. So I was like, let's pick a quickie. Uh, so instead we watched almost three hours of movie. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the thing is, like, you really liked it. I really, really liked it, yeah. So in that way, I'm glad that we watched the extended version, because you, you dug it. Yeah, I, it was, to me, like, uh, I really, really liked the movie Almost Famous. Yeah. But this is a better version of Almost Famous. I haven't seen that. Oh, it's great. Oh, you should definitely watch it. It's really good. But this is better. Uh, and it's earlier, like, Almost Famous is, like, 2000? Yeah. Uh, so this is done better and earlier, and by Tom Hanks, of all people. I'm like, yeah, that's surprising to me that I'd never heard of it, and it's so good. Has Tom Hanks directed other movies? No. Some... He did one, uh, I looked it up, he did one and then a couple of TV episodes. Yeah. So he was kind of like, I did it, I did it right, I'm gonna stop while I'm ahead. <laughs> yeah, he might, I mean, he might not, have, might not have been his jam, I imagine. He, I'm, if, I'm sure if he liked doing it, he could just do it as much as he wanted. Right. A so. thing that I did find, though, is the moment that Tom Hanks walked on screen, I was like, oh, I want 
more of you. Like, I want more of yes. your caliber. I was oh like, my gosh, 100%. And, like, he's not in, I mean, he was in our version quite a bit, but it's just, like, he just is so much more luminous than everyone yes. else in that movie. Right. And I would argue even more than Charlize, but that's only because it's very early in her career and he's Tom Hanks. Right. I also thought up for a second, I was like, wouldn't it be fun to do a Tom Hanks version of this? And then I thought... I never want to watch Forrest Gump or Castaway again. What would so. you call the podcast? Oh, God. T. Hanks for watching. <laughs> <laughs> or listening. Or listening. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, he really... And I, I I feel like he's such a singular actor in some ways, like, in just like just the sound of his voice, like, coming like from off stage. It's yes. just like, it just immediately changes the quality of the movie. Yeah. I'm just like, ooh, I don't know. Why is Tom Hanks so good? I don't know. He is, like, he is just magnetically good. Like, he is, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like at the end of every podcast, I'm like, but, but, there's more to say about Charlize. And I don't know that there is in this movie. I mean, we have, we should have more to say about her than Robin does, because she, she's only in it for five minutes in your version. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I would say, though, like, this is an example of why I thought she was so great in Men of Honor, because she's in that movie for ten minutes. Right. And she destroys it. Yeah. And this movie, she's in it a lot, but she's got... There's less going she's on. Less but, to do, yeah. I mean, she is leagues above two days in the valley level acting. Yeah, I would yeah. say in this, but she. I mean, she's one of the people who gets left. She's like the parallel, like who got left behind in Eerie. So, like her role is like, oh, this is what life life progressing on without yeah. those characters who are off jet setting around the world. The other person is Giovanni Rubisi, who replaces Guy Patterson as his own family's son. Did that you is there. Okay, yeah. I was going to ask about that. Do you see him come into the shop to apply and for the job? take the thing off the wall. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's the other... I thought that was really odd when you see them at the end and they're watching TV together. I, it made me feel happy because, like, can you imagine you break your arm and then you miss on, out on this roller coaster of fame? Yeah. Did they do that because of the Beatles drummer? I assume so. I, I most of the things in this movie that I don't understand, I assume are Beatles parallels. I, kind yeah. of like in comic book movies where there's like a random character. I'm like, oh, they must be from the comics. I really <laughs> like wish I could have like watched this with my mom or asked my dad that stuff. Yeah, and I like. I felt I kept being distractedly like googling it. Like I was like, is this about the monkeys? Is this like? What's that Coen Brothers movie that's about... Inside Lewin Davis. Right, where it's like, it's a, not about Dave Van Ronk, but it is yeah. about Dave Van Ronk, but it's not. And I was like, it, was there an American band that they're... Like, is this entirely made up? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's... it's. I like Tom Hanks says, it's a common tale. Yeah. Right. I, think, I don't think there's a specific band that this right. is about. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it's like Inside Lewin Davis. Yeah, Which but, this movie did remind me of because the whatever studio they record in looks yes, a lot like the studio yes. with Please Mr. Kennedy. Yeah. May actually be the same set. It could very well. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I love Inside Lewin Davis. It's what a great, great movie. Yeah. I love when runaway cats drive action. <laughs> me too. <laughs> All right. Let us rank this movie. I will start. I am going to slide this in right above last week's Men of Honor. So b- behind Kubo and the Two Strings. But I really like this movie. And so it's going to be my new fourth place. This is shocking to me. I am I am going to put it above Two Days in the Valley, although I think I was somewhat more entertained by Two Days in the Valley. Really? Uh, possibly, just for, like, sheer weirdness of it. I don't know. Again, maybe if I'd watched the two-hour version. I'm putting an asterisk on your ranking. <laughs> Why? Because you didn't watch the proper movie. Okay, that is fair. Yeah. But I am going to put it below 
Snow White and the Huntsman, which <laughs> I am now saying is a better movie than that thing you do. And that is uh, largely due to the Charlize-ness of right. that movie. Yeah. Uh, she's not great in this, um, but she is better than she was in Two Days in the Valley. And I feel like, yeah, most of my... I don't know. These lists are getting complicated. Anyway, that's where it comes in. So it is my new number eight. Uh, this is going to be my new... I, I was really, really, really thought about putting it as my new number one. Wow. But for Charlize-ness reasons and for general quality of writing reasons, like this is, I think this is extremely well written, but there, there's definitely some parts where I'm like, yeah, it dropped off a little bit. Bagger Vance Valet. A little bit like that, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and general consequence-free ending. But uh, so this is going to be my new number two. All right. Which is knocking Kubo and the Two Strings off of its uh, number two spot there, simply because I, while I think Kubo and the Two Strings is phenomenal and wonderful, I was thoroughly, thoroughly more entertained by this throughout, even though it was more than two and a half hours long. I still can't believe that you guys watched like the Lord of the Rings version. Of that <laughs> I can't do. believe there is a Lord of the Rings version of <laughs> yeah, that thing you do. It never occurred to me that there would even be an extended version of this. Because at some point, I did find myself thinking, I was like, eh, "Long? Oh, are they going to play that song again? Cool. Oh, oh, again? Cool." And so I wonder, like, how many more opening takes of the song we were treated to versus the original. And I will it always says wonder in the trivia that I read that they play parts of the song 11 times and they play the full song twice oh it feels like way more than 11 times okay but it's a great song the only song in the world catchier than that thing you do is the theranathon theme song oh yeah so thank you as always to alex reed for giving us such a beautiful piece of music i wish it were in a movie so you could win an oscar listen to us on all of the podcasting platforms that you use and then when you whichever one you're using go to it and then give us a good rating or something yeah you can do that bob doesn't want you to oh i just don't care Okay. <laughs> Bob is very British and he finds self-promotion to be an awkward human endeavor. But I am very proud of the Photoshop work that Robin Elaine Hitchcock does with Keanu Reeves' face. So I have no compunction about saying if you are not following at Charlize Theronathan on Instagram, your life is a little darker than mine. And I don't want that for you. So please, <laughs> please join us over there. It's so funny. <laughs> Thank you. And we're on all the other social media at Theronathon. Thank you so much for listening, but most of all, Thank, thank you, Charlies, for doing that thing you do. I got upset about Evita. I could talk about how they ruined Sarah Connor and the director's cut version of T2, but that's for a different podcast. But only watch the theatrical release, everybody. Oh also, God. Tom Hanks! Take <laughs> a pee, and anytime you take a long pee, who doesn't think of Tom Hanks? Every in that movie? single person in the world. <laughs> Interestingly, Mark Rylance stole Stallone's Oscar <laughs> thanks to Tom Hanks. There you go. Yep. 
But I like Mark Rylands a lot. Okay. <laughs> no one cares about our feelings about Mark Rylands. <laughs> Mark Rylands, my, I don't know what his ego is like. When she's pulling bullets out of Arnold Schwarzenegger and he powers down and she's like, we gotta kill him! And she's like losing her mind. Oh, and her like yeah, 10 year old son is like, that. I gotta talk my mom off the ledge because I'm the one who's really in charge here. And I was like, I don't need this. Anyway, beside the point, mm. nothing to do with that thing you do.